Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. Can you join me in welcoming all of our campuses, our Appleton campus, Milwaukee campus, Brooksville campus, Germantown campus, online. Wherever you are joining us from, we're glad. And man, here at the Germantown campus, wow. I, I love baptisms, but like first service, you know, we had, uh, it was, uh, we had a grandmother probably in her 60s. I won't even venture to guess her age. Just an incredible testimony of, of just, and I told her, I said, I, I have seen all, I mean, I, just for years of uh, baptisms. And I, that probably touched me as much as anything. And then this service, to see the number of young people, the younger, I know I sound like an old guy, don't I? The number of youth, the number of young people. That's the way it was and we liked it. Remember that? <laughs> the number of students, young people, ever, I just amazing to me. And, you know, and today's kind of cool. I talked to, is April back in here, here? April Snow? There she is right there. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean to point you out. But I saw April getting baptized. And this is the third generation of her family. Her grandparents, Bob and Vicki Snow, were part of the founding group of people that started this church. And I couldn't help but think, you know, Vicki, that happened because of you and Bob and your faithfulness to what God wanted to do here now you get to see your granddaughter baptized. And then I pulled her aside and I said, April, how old are you? And she said, 21, which makes me feel really old. Because <laughs> it was 21 years ago this Sunday that Tammy and I came to Germantown. And the number of people that we baptized this year will be larger than the number of people that were there when we first got here. And just to see, to think, man, in all of that time and the number of students and the testimonies. And I don't know all the students. I know Luke and Megan do a phenomenal job leading uh, the youth and, and ministering. That'd be a good time right there. But nothing works like the local church works when the local church works when the local church is designed to work. And that's what's seen today. Life change, man. Nothing like it. Sorry, that's not my message. I just was like, wow, take me back. Anybody have those moments? All right. So today I want to talk for a few minutes uh, as we're doing this Charlie Brown Christmas, we talked about depression last weekend. I, I want to talk about another thing that typically happens during this time of the year that I think is a big myth and a big lie, but it's a true reality of emotional state of people, and that's loneliness. More people will indicate that they feel lonely during this time of the year than any other time. And again, what happens in life is we have busy schedules, so we begin to isolate ourselves more and more and more. And I get that. I'm not beating up on anybody. I'm just, it's, and past hurts. And I trusted people. I, I trusted this. Uh, maybe, you're, maybe you're a bad family. I, I don't know. But, and then what happens is it becomes very tempting just to kind of do life alone, which is what the enemy of your soul wants you to do. Because God created us for relationship. You understand, God didn't create you and I for achievement. He didn't create us to build things. He didn't create us to, to amass things. He didn't create us for all. The, the, the purpose uh, for us was, was relationship. God addresses man's aloneness. I'm going to talk about this more in a minute. Uh, before he ever addresses man's sin. That's how important not being alone is. It, it's one of the blessings that we have through relationship in Jesus Christ that Jesus says, hey, to the disciples in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels in the New Testament, he says, look, I'm going to go away, but I'm preparing a place for you. But when I go away, the comforter is going to come, the Holy Spirit, and he is going to, to be with you because I will never leave you. I will never forsake you even to the end of the world. And, and so 
this is important to God. It, we, we see it in the first two chapters of, of the book of, of Genesis where, where it's all about relationship. It's all about God not just creating this planet, but in, in this ecosystem in which we live in, but he creates man and he creates woman. And he says, it's not good that man's alone. And, and he creates this and, and God has this interaction. Uh, you see it even the Lord, the Lord is never alone. Uh, the, the triune Godhead, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're, they're three in one, but the three of them, three separate distinctive uh, uh, personalities and aspects of the Godhead, but three in one, they're never alone. And, and so, so the truth of the matter is, is neither should we, but the enemy comes in and he just, if we're not careful, the busyness of life, our schedules, past hurts, there are lies that will kind of lead us to isolation. And that's what I want to talk about for a few minutes today. And, and, and as I'm doing this, it's, it's, it's very easy to kind of um, uh, just to think, well, this is just my problem, my issue. You know, what happens so many times is life happens and then we, we jump to conclusions. And like I was, uh, Joseph is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And because Joseph's, Joseph doesn't become an overnight success, there, there is a whole process that gets Joseph to fulfill the dream that God has for him. And he doesn't do everything right. He has setbacks, he has problems, he has issues, some of which he causes, some of which he doesn't cause. But, but nevertheless, when Joseph's brothers despise him and they throw him into the well and they take his coat of many colors that his father Jacob had made for him because he was the favored son and they, they take the, uh, the, the blood of, a, of an animal and they, they drench the coat with that and they take it back to their father, Jacob. And their plan, the Bible says, is to tell Jacob, hey, this is, he was torn alive, he was eaten alive, he, it was bad, this is all that's left of him, we want to bring it to him. When they come in and they bring the coat to him, when Reuben brings the coat to his father, they never tell the lie. Jo Jacob immediately deduces the worst. Oh, my son uh, Joseph must be dead. Looking at this, he's dead. He's got to be torn apart by animals and, and eaten alive, and I'll grieve, the, grieve him for the rest of my life. No, he's very much alive. But he sees this, and he buys into a lie. And it creates this grieving, this isolation process. And how many times do we see things in life that maybe are not that way, but we deduce them to be that way, or, or we don't know the whole picture, we don't know the whole, the whole and, and we just kind of assume. This is what I think happens, and I think this really gets to be magnified during this time of year, that's why I want to talk about it. So there's three lies I want to give you. I don't have one scripture that I'm going to expositorily kind of unpack. I'm going to give you scriptures all throughout. I think I'm going to give you probably a dozen or 14 different references today. But the first lie I want to give you is, I don't have time. The first slide that we buy into when it comes to loneliness is I don't have time. In spite of the hyper-connectivity that we have in our world through the internet, smartphones, etc., experts, sociologists tell us that we're in an, in an epidemic of loneliness. That we, are, we have more ability to be connected, yet we are further apart. We are more alone. We are more isolated. A book I would recommend to you, it's, it's more of a leadership book, but... but um, uh, it's several, it's a book that I have. It's a book that's been recommended by several people to me as well. I was talking to someone after the service. The guy says, man, I've got it on my, my phone right here. Another guy was asking me, what, what's the title of this book? It's called Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And he says this, quote, sin and busyness had the exact same effect. They cut off your connection to God, 
to other people, and even to your own soul. Let me say that again. Sin and busyness had the exact same effect. They cut off your connection to God, to other people, and even to your own soul. You may not be sinning, but you're just busy. And you're so busy spinning wheels and making deals. And you're so busy going here and going there. And you're so busy on this and that. And, and you can even be glued to screen time and watch somebody else's filtered life that they're trying to portray in front of you, which is not reality. No one's that good. Well, maybe I am, but that's it. Are you awake? Okay, I'm just making sure. But you're just busy, busy busy. And then you look up and you go, I just feel alone. I just feel like, see, the one thing that we all have equal amounts of is not money, not influence. We're not born all in the same family or the same social economic backgrounds. As much as we, we want to try to make things as equal as we can in our world, the truth is, is that fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. So life is not fair. The one thing that is the equalizer that we all have the same amount of is time. We all have the same amount of time. Now, I know if you're rich or wealthy, you can buy other people's time, but we all know buying someone else's time to do the job that we want to do is not the same thing as me doing the job. Like, I can't hire somebody to parent my kids. I can't hire somebody to, to be a spouse to, to my wife. I can't hire someone to, to, to take care of, respond. There are just certain things that are just, I have to, it's, it's time. I, it's my time. And that's equal with all of us. And so you get to choose where you spend your time. But if you're not careful, you get caught up in this, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. And I'm one of these kind of people, I love to be on the go. Like I, I tell the staff, I'm never not going to be busy. I'm never going to look at my day and just go, wow, I wonder what's going to happen today. That never <laughs> comes out of my mouth. It's like, okay, uh, I have two hours on Thursday afternoon that's unslotted for. That's about all that at the margin that I have. Because I've got this and this and this and this and I'm... But I tell it, hey, man, I'll make time. Just all you need to do is just see me or see Anna, and we'll get it on the schedule, and we'll make it happen. If there's an emergency, absolutely. I'm talking about where you just are so busy that you literally don't have time. I can't go to church. I can't be in a small group. I can't serve. I can't do whatever. It's a lie. You got the same amount of time everybody else does. You get to choose what you do with your time. I know it's not that simple, but it kind of is. Second lie is it's not safe. It's not safe. It's not safe because many of us have become very good at setting boundaries, but, we've been, but really we've gone beyond setting boundaries to setting barricades so that no one can get close to us. I've been hurt. No one will ever do that to me again. First time, shame on you. Second time, shame on me. I'm just going to kind of give everybody the Heisman. I'm just going to kind of do this. And it's a great question to ask yourself. Do you have boundaries or do you have barricades? Boundaries are healthy lines of this is you and this is me. And don't put your stuff onto me because I didn't do that. Barricades are I am strong arming against you. And I'm really not interested in talking, being around you, react, connecting to you whatsoever. Dr. Henry Cloud has a great book on boundaries. I would, I would highly encourage you if you're battling or you're dealing with any of that stuff, He's a leading psychologist and a Christian at that and um, just amazing book on setting boundaries. But if we're not careful, we create these barricades. And we do this because we say things like, I've gotten hurt by other people. I, I, you just don't understand, Aaron, I've gotten hurt. Well, can I just help you? If you haven't gotten hurt in life, see me after church and we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen and then we can get over it, right? If you haven't gotten hurt at church, oh, wow, 
I really would like to meet you. And then I'll make that happen. And then you can go to Lowe's and get a ladder and get over it, right? I mean, like, it's seriously, like, it's just, because it all happens. Like, I, like, I'm the pastor of the church. And I get hurt at church. Like, I, I'll tell you a story. I, I was preaching one Sunday. I'm out shaking hands, just loving people, just being a good shepherd. Are you feeling any of the sarcasm in this at all? And Jer I won't say his name, but Jared Stortz, who plays the drums occasionally, just walks right through. And I'm like, hey, and I do one of these, hey, and he just walks straight by me. Gives me the, the Wisconsin hello, just kind of looks at you, but just keeps going, right? And it's, uh, some of you will get that about two o'clock. And he just walks right by me. And I was just like, oh my goodness. His wife, Bobby Ann, sees everything. I said, I am leaving this church. People won't even shake my hand. They want to be nice to me. I don't know what I have to do. Look, if you haven't had somebody walk past you, not shake your hand, not say hello to you, not greet you, or really be mean or vicious to you, hopefully that doesn't happen mean and vicious at Life Church. but we're people. Have you ever thought about church? Like there is no prerequisite for you to get in the building. <laughs> don't point, it's not nice. There's no test. There's no IQ, <laughs> there's no emotional quotient that you have to fulfill. There's no, you're a saint, you're a sinner. There's none of that. We, we welcome everybody. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. It doesn't matter if you've got a full set of teeth and a pair of shoes or not. You're welcome at Life Church. amen? I'm from Arkansas, I can say that. Somebody just went, is that like insensitive? No, it's, that's my people. So I'm just saying like, I'm like, you, everybody's welcome. So when you do that, you think you're gonna have crazy? Yes. This is, not, this is not a leadership test. You don't have crazy because these people were home trained and these people weren't. You know, like you used to say, hey, were you kids raised in a barn? Yes, they might have been. And we don't, you know, that's why they're climbing over the furniture and, and they don't understand. And, and Welcome to church. And it should be that way, shouldn't it? Church should be a place that anybody and everybody is welcome to come. Amen. And I thank God that Life Church is a place at every single campus that anybody, whether you're down and out or you're up and over, whether you've got more money than you know what to do with or whether you don't have, have a, a quarter itch with a, with a dime to scratch it with, that's an Arkansas euphemism, uh, you don't have anything. Man, you're welcome here. And whether you agree with the Bible or not, you're still welcome to come. You're still welcome to be here. This is what the kingdom of God is about. It doesn't mean I'm going to affirm you. It doesn't mean that I'm going to agree with you. It, I'm not, I don't have any editorial privilege over the Bible. I'm going to preach the Bible straight up. And if it offends you, sorry, right? Because that's the gospel message. Have you ever thought about the gospel? The gospel, the good news is, you know, that God loved you so much that he sent his one only begotten son and Jesus came and gave his life for you. Why? Because you are a sinner. You are dead and going to hell. You sorry, worthless, right? I mean, you, you, know, you get the feeling. And there is no way out but through Jesus, who is a person you will never physically meet this side of eternity. And we're going to give you a book that was written thousands of years ago called the Bible that we believe that we live by. And then we're going to ask you to confess your sins. And we're going to ask you to give your life to him. And then we're going to ask you to, to now we're going to ask you to come and be here every week. And then we want you to serve with your time and we're not going to pay you for it, right? No place else in America does that work, right? And, and, and by the way, then, then because you're a Christian, you need to give 10% of everything that you own. It sounds like a racket, doesn't it? 
I've been around this a long time. I, I wasn't raised in the pastorate. My, my dad's a, 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 an arbitrator for the union. I, I, I get all this. Do you not think there's going to be some crazy in some of that? Sure there will be. You think there's going to be some, some, some jacked up people? Sure there are going to be. You're here. <laughs> Church was perfect till you showed up, right? It's true. But when you realize that everybody's jacked up and everybody's got a problem and everybody's got an issue, and so do you, and the ground's level at the foot of the cross, then you take that, I've been hurt, off the table. Because it's not an excuse not to get involved in community. It's not an excuse not to come to church. It's not an excuse not to... The disciples go to Jesus. Peter asks Jesus in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18, verse 21 and 22. Peter says this. He came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or my sister? Brother or sister means someone who's a Christ follower. Not someone who's outside the church, but inside the church. Who sins against me? Up to seven times, that's what the law required. And Jesus said, no, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. An infinitesimal amount, an incalculable amount. If your brother or sister at church offends you, go to Lowe's, get a ladder, and get over it. That's what he's saying right there. That's the, that's the, the redneck version. If, 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 if something happens where they have sinned against you, this isn't just like, man, they took my parking space, or man, they, they didn't include me enough in the conversation, or they didn't know my name. They, they offended me. They, they, they sinned against me. They, 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 they did something that now they're going to have to repent for. What do I do with that? I forgive them. Why? Because this is what it's about. And, and what the enemy of your soul wants you to do is keep unforgiveness in your heart he, because it allows you to give a Heisman to everybody else. It allows you to push back on everybody else. It allows you to be able to, it's just not safe. So therefore, I'm going to barricade myself away. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to get in a life group. I'm not going to serve in ministry. I'm not going to do X, Y, Z. Third lie, I'll always be alone. I'll always be alone. This is it, man. I, you just don't understand. It's, I'm always going to be alone. And, and the problem with that is that Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, I alluded to this at the beginning of the message. God says, it's not good that man should be alone. Period. Why is that? Because when we're alone, we get in trouble. When we're alone, we sin. When we're alone, we do a lot of stupid stuff. And the enemy of our soul wants to divide you and conquer you. He wants to divide your marriage, and then he conquers you. He wants to divide you from your parents, then conquer you. And let me just say something about that, like with, with parents. Like, well, but you don't say, man, my parents are just so overreactive and so whatever, and they're not cool. When were parents ever supposed to be cool? Start there, right? Amen. Like, I'm not trying to be cool. I'm 52 years old. I'm pretty hip for my age, but I'm not trying to be cool. If I dressed the way Pastor Luke dressed, you, you would laugh. You're laughing right now because I don't have Pastor Luke's body. I wish I had a body like that. I'd be all bowed up. I'd preach with my shirt off. I don't have that. That's why I wear dark clothes. It covers plaid, contrast, dark. It's the Johnny Cash look, baby. It's just, it works. Thank you. It works. But he divides. So all of a sudden, you're in your room, and you're not with your folks. Or, or you just don't understand. I, I, maybe I don't understand. 
But he divides us. He divides us in friendships. He divides us in, 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 in cliques at church. He divides us with getting our feelings hurt. He divides us for all kinds of things in the world. And what he's trying to do is get you alone, get you isolated, because then you buy into the lie that I'll always be alone. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because if, if, you, if it was okay for you to be alone, if that was optional, God would have never said at the beginning of time, before sin entered the world, it's not good that man's alone. This predates sin. This isn't because of the depravity of man. Some people have a hard time being alone, therefore we need to deal with this. No, this is before sin enters the world. This is before Adam and Eve mess up in the garden. This is God saying, this is not good. God created you and I for community. He created us to be together. He created us to do that because when we're together, Nothing can overcome us. I mean, like the Bible says, hey, you know, one can fall, but if you've got two and three, three is un unstoppable. In Matthew 18, 19, or two or more are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. There's power in coming together. That's the reason why being at church, I know I'm preaching to the choir right now because you're here, but coming to church is so important because there's power in this. This is the reason why you feel pumped up and ready to go. It's not because of me. It's not because they sang your favorite song. Or because, it, it, it's because the Holy Spirit, the power that raised Christ from the dead is resonating in this room and in this space. And it's something that you can't replicate. Those of you that are online, I love you and I appreciate you. But there's something that comes together when we're together. It just is. Because nothing works like the local church works when the local church works the way the local church is designed to work. And I'm telling you, whether it's a big church or it's a small church where the Holy Spirit comes together, two or more gather together, it's, it's just there. And so the Lord's never gonna tell you, don't go to church on Sunday, you deserve a day off. The Holy Spirit's never gonna say, don't serve, don't go to Life Center, don't go to a life group. It's never gonna happen. That's the enemy of your soul going, oh, you deserve it. Just hit the snooze alarm. Oh, you need this. No, 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 no. Never, 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 never. That's the enemy of your soul because he wants to get you alone and then make you feel like you're alone. Make you feel like you're all by yourself. And you're not. And students, I want to let you know, man, there's a lie from the pit of hell that the enemy tries to propagate with every generation that you're the only one that's living out your virginity. You're the only one that's living out your Christianity. You're the only one that's serving Jesus. You're the only one. And that is a lie, a lie, a lie, a lie. There are hundreds and thousands and millions of students and teenagers who are being touched by the Holy Spirit. It's happening on college campuses, secular college campuses all around this country. There was one of the biggest water baptisms that's ever taken place on a college campus that happened at Auburn University this past year. God is moving in a mighty way in your generation. And I just want to say this for a second. I don't know what what it is that you've hacked off the devil, those of you that are, that are, that are, are mid-20s and below, I don't know what it is that's so powerful about you, but I have never seen in my years on this planet, I've never seen the devil go after a generation the way he is this generation. And I think it's because there's greatness. I think he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy everything that can happen to you. I think he's trying to weaken you. I think he's trying to drain you. I think he's trying to lie to you. I think he's trying to isolate you. And I think he's trying to propagate this. And the truth of the matter is, is that God has put something in you that will be the redemptive power for the generations to follow that will be we what we we don't know when Jesus is coming back but what we do know is that before he comes back there will be a great revival and that has not yet taken place and it may very well be it didn't look like it's going to be my generation uh, I'm a Gen Xer and I think we're awesome <laughs> but apparently the Lord didn't agree with that and so there's generations to come 
And I just believe that there may be that God has something in your generation. So when you step onto your high school campus, when you step onto your junior high campus, when you're making that stand to to stand up for the Lord, know that you are not alone. When you're on that college campus, you are not alone, that God is with you and that God is for you. And do not believe the lie of the enemy. Amen. That's not in my notes, but that's just good. Okay, I got a minute and 11 seconds to land the plane. Last point, we're better together. We are better together. There are countless, quote unquote, one another moments all throughout the New Testament. Let me rapid fire these. Colossians 3, 16, admonish one another. Mark 9, 50, be at peace with one another. This time inside the church. Ephesians 4, 32, forgive one another. James 5, 16, pray for one another. Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens. When was the last time you did that? Hey, you're having a hard way to go. Let, I'm gonna take this off your plate. I'll cut your lawn for the summer. I'll, I'll plow your snow. I'll, do, I'll, come, I'll pick your kids up from school and take care of them. John 13, 34, love one another. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. We are better together. I need people in my life to admonish me. I need people in my life to be at peace with me. I need people in my life to forgive me. I need people in my life to pray for me. I need people in my life that are devoted. I need people in life that are gonna bear my burden. I need, I need people in my life that are gonna love me for who I am. Because I'm just like you. I'm jacked up and I'm flawed and I don't want my junk on this screen any more than you do. And I need people to go, hey, we know you're not perfect. We love you. That's why we're here. That's what this is all about. I'm not here for 21 years of my life because I don't have another place to work or I need to make a paycheck. I need to get a paycheck. I'm here because God sovereignly called me to be here and called me to be devoted to you and you to be devoted to me because this is not consumeristic Christianity where I'm gonna do this as long as they play my favorite song or I'm gonna be here as long as they're gonna do my favorite program or I'm gonna be here as long as so-and-so's preaching or it's not on video. Oh, don't, ooh, I went right there, didn't I? Or, Or whatever. No, 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 no. I'm here because I'm committed to you because I need you. I, I, I need you to admonish me. I need you to be at peace with me. I need you to forgive me. I need you to pray for me. I need you to be devoted to me. And you need me to be devoted to you. And you need me to pray for you. And you need me to forgive you. And you need me to be at peace with you. And you need me to admonish you. And you need me to bear your burdens. And I need you to bear mine. And I need you to love you, to love me. And I need me to love you. That's how this works. And the enemy of our soul wants to divide all of that that he possibly can. Because if he does, he cuts you off. You know how many people I talk to? I tried church, I tried religion, I got hurt. If that's a litmus test for not going to church, no one should go, because we all gonna get hurt. Because it's people, oh my goodness. But it's not about that. It's about the fact that I need you, even in your imperfection. If you read church history, something that you will find is that through very messed up, jacked up people, very messed up, jacked up leaders, God still, still builds his church. Look at the disciples. I mean, think about it. Jesus had the the 12 and one of them totally turns his back on him. It's Jesus. Don't be too harsh on Judas. Could have been me, could have been you. 
And look at the disciples. They're not perfect. Oh, my goodness, what a motley crew of people. But Jesus goes, you take it to the world. Have you ever just stopped and thought about that? How powerful that is? That a perfect God would trust imperfect people to minister to an imperfect world? And what a perfect plan that is. Because it's not my strengths that you're attracted by. It's my weaknesses. I can get up here, I have an earned doctorate in theology, and I can give you a thesis on something that you won't even understand what I'm saying. I may not even understand what I'm saying. And you can walk out and go, wow, he's smart. I didn't even understand that. That's so deep, I didn't even understand that. Only Christians do stupid stuff like that. That doesn't impress you. No. What gets you is when I say to you, I'm devoted to you. And I spent 21 years of my life. What gets you is when I tell you I'm not any better than you are. And I don't want my stuff on that screen any more than you do. Because you know exactly what I'm talking about. And there's an authenticity in what I'm saying. Because I know how broken and messed up I am. But I need you. You need me. This generation needs you. Grandma, grandpa, they need you to get up off your duff and be involved and leading and serving and being around. And this younger generation, we need you not to be perfect, but to love Jesus. And when you mess up, own it. Because we all do. And we need to be a church that's not just one generation. We're not just a young adult church. We're not just an old church. We're not just a multi-generation. We're the church. That's it. Whoever wants to come in. Red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. All of us, with all of our warts and all of our problems and all our imperfections, it's by grace that we're saved through faith in Jesus. It's a gift of God that any of us should boast. So today I want to challenge you. Are you in community? This may not be your home church. You may be here because somebody you saw got baptized. That's great. Are you in community in that church? What do you mean? I mean, are you, are you actively attending? Are you actively involved in life in that church? Are there people that miss you in that church? Not the pastor. It's not, pastor is, listen, there's only one Messiah and his name is Jesus. It's not the pastor. It, get, get your eyes off of people. It, it, people in the church though, but like are there relationships that if you weren't there, they call you. Hey man, I miss you today. Hey, I saved a spot for you. Hey, are you coming this week? Hey, what's going on? Community, that's what I'm talking about. Are you involved in life groups? Are you involved serving? Are you involved in that? If not, get in relationship. Get in relationship. I don't know how to. There's a QR code on the seat pocket in front of you. There's a card, a next step card that says, hey, I wanna know more and I wanna get connected. What's going on? You can talk to someone in the next steps area as you walk as you walk out of any one of our auditoriums in the resource center. There'll be somebody that will help you get connected to next steps so you can find a place to serve. You can find a life group. There are life groups that are happening all throughout the week at all different parts of the communities that we're in. Life center. There's opportunities to be able to serve in the after school uh, program and, and the food pantry and what's happening there. Do you, do you realize that there's over 500,000 people that are being served in the food pantry because of your generosity? I pray and ask God to help you and move. Don't just sit there. The Bible says 
He who has friends must first show himself friendly. If you look like you've been sucking on lemon juice all week, nobody's gonna come by and say hi, sorry. And if you smell that way, nobody's gonna say hi to you either. So take a breath, comb your hair, amen. Put a smile on your face. Even if you have no teeth to show, just smile. It looks better. And be friendly and get involved. And if someone hurts you, oh, well, it's the church. Expect it. Oh, I think the church should be a place where nobody's hurt. It would be wonderful. That's called heaven. That's where we're getting to. Serve. Love. No need to be lonely. Don't buy into the enemy's lie. Don't buy into it. Don't buy into it. Don't buy into it. God has put people in your life. God's put an opportunity in your front of you. It's yours to choose. It's your life. It's your choice. Listen, I, I have a burden as a pastor to want to see our communities that we're serving come to faith in Jesus Christ. It bothers me way more than I let on when things are happening. I want to fix things. I want to step in and eradicate where there's pain or there's hurt. I can't do everything. I can only do what I can do. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, is that we have opportunities to be able just to serve and to be with one another. And the enemy wants to try so hard, and I keep saying this, I know, but even during this Christmas season, just to try to, to, to magnify your aloneness, and it's a lie, it's a lie. God's here. If you're far away from him, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you are saved. It's not about joining a church. It's not about being at Life Church. It's about giving your life to Christ. Wherever it is, is your church home. Well, I kind of move around. That's not helpful. Be rooted in the house of God, the Bible says. Be planted in the house of God. There's no way you can get a deep root system and have a fruitful life and, and do what God's called you to do if you're going here, there, and everywhere else. And there is, it's not like there's no perfect job. There's no perfect, perfect spouse. There's no perfect kids. There's no perfect parents. There's no perfect anything except for Jesus. That's it. So find a place, serve, work, love, give of yourself and allow yourself to be involved in those one another relationships. Father, I just thank you today for your grace, for your mercy. I just thank you today, Lord, that we're not alone, that we don't have to be alone. I just thank you today, Lord, that you, Lord, that you fill our, us with your presence of the Holy Spirit. If we'll invite you in, you'll come in. Revelation 3, 19. That you stand at the door of our heart and you knock. And if any of us open the door and invite you to come in, you will come in. Jesus, if there's anyone here today, if their heart's hard and far away from you, I pray soften it. I can't do that. But I pray, Lord, that they would open their hearts and invite you in. I pray, Lord, there are people today that have been hurt. And I don't try to minimize their hurt. I just wanna make sure to normalize that this is part of what happens. But God, help us not to set up barricades that prevent us from being involved in community and relationship. Father, I pray help us to find a place, find a need and fill it. Find a place to serve and serve. Get around other brothers and sisters in Christ and not 
be alone and not by the lie. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.